Hello, and welcome back to the Ebb and Flow podcast. Over the next six weeks, I'll be sharing videos on the topics of holistic health and Hasidic wisdom that I've been doing with the renowned author, counselor, lecturer, and philosopher, Rabbi Manis Friedman. A year ago, Rabbi Manis Friedman was a guest on my podcast, episode number 53, where we discussed his first book published back in 1990, Doesn't Anybody Blush Anymore? The episode is entitled, Modesty, Intimacy, Sex, and Getting Things Out of the Way. Shortly after, I had the joy to meet him for dinner, where we first thought about the series, so it excites me to begin to finally share these with you in hope that you receive valuable and personable insights on your own health and wellness journey. Here's also a gentle reminder that if you're new to this show, or if you haven't seen it yet, a great place to start is the recent YouTube video or podcast trailer entitled Ebb and Flow, Holistic Hasidic Health. In that video or audio, you will hear all about this new season, who's it for, my newsletter that comes out every Friday, and my coaching services. Please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon8 and Facebook Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. Make sure to do something actionable with your learnings and be sure to let us know all about it via message or social media. So we've discussed, we've defined healthy and and then the series that we've been doing together. The second time we did like talking about the mindsets, mindset for health and how to approach different uh, problems, which included, you know, how do, how does the brain work and when, when, and we're most productive in the present moment. Then we, the third time we talked about meditation, mindfulness, and other tools to build awareness. And last time we talked about how do we live like a fluid and not a rigid Jewish lifestyle. And now I have in store, I was talking about science, the science of transformation, including, um, you know, what does Hasidus say about transformation? And uh, just to get that started a little bit, uh, we know with uh, modern, with a lot of latest understandings with science, uh, you know, let's say somebody's trying to break an addiction or a, a certain way of thinking, feeling, or acting, they have to change the way that they've been you know, living. And when it comes to like an addiction, there, when somebody's been doing something for so long, it gets, it becomes a habit. And it helps to you know the science of the transformation to uproot that behavior that we could label negative or unserving, uh, because that understanding of the science of transformation will help the person go through those challenging times. Because similar to like what the Rebbe would say on a macro scale, you know, the greater the darkness, so to speak, the closer you are to the transformation. So it's similar on a on a health standpoint. Let's say somebody's introducing a new um, healthy way of living or wanting to break an addiction, like I just mentioned, when it gets really challenging and you want to just do what you've always done, the harder it gets or the more intense it, it feels, it means you're actually closer to actually to changing and transforming that behavior. Uh, and so, like I said, that was just a little introduction and I'd love to 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 hear your understanding about that and perhaps in your own life or how you have helped other individuals whether it's just in health or even in relationships um, because it applies you know across the board in different areas of life even within the brain how to change and rewire uh, unwire how to unwire limited or unserving ways of thinking feeling and acting and how to then determine a new behavior or, or, or to break an addiction, the process of uprooting it and being able to finally transform it. So what does science say about that? What advice does it give? Yeah. So a lot that I learned, and that's part of like what the previous um, topics we've talked about meditation is let's say somebody wants to break an addiction to um, a way that they've, you know, been li- uh, expressing like their, one of their character traits. Maybe they've been feeling and, and act insecure. You have to first become aware of 
well, how do you want to express yourself? Who, what kind of person do you want to become? And then you have to become aware of all the different, let's say triggers or, ex or situations that give birth to the person uh, exhibiting that characteristic. The more and more you can become aware of it, then when you are in those situations sim or similar situations, you can begin to change the way that somebody normally um, acts or reacts in that situation. So that the, what the science is saying is that we have those experience also kind of, not kind of, but they also show up on a, on a brain as different neural connections. So literally when you're in those experiences or similar experiences, those similar connections kind of turn on. So that's where the, the meditation comes in because you have to become of aware and where more and more of those different situations. And then like when you can rehearse it in the meditation, then when you get to a similar experience and you change that, you begin to unwire those old habits and ways of being. And you can, by changing that reaction or response, it begins to lay the foundation for uh, new experiences. And, and Hasidus talks all, you know, a lot about it as, you know, changing one's character traits and, and transforming and doing a, making a transformation is, is like uprooting a tree. And it is very uh, challenging. Uh, so I love to merge, merge the two and how they, in, how they are uh, complementary of each other. So I think we have already spoken about the, the relationship between the mind and heart. By nature, not by nurture, by nature, the mind controls everything. Mm -hmm. No sane person will do something that his mind does not approve. So even when a person is out of control, emotionally, the mind is aware of it. The person will come mm -hmm. and say, I acted crazy. I was out of my mind. I didn't know what I was doing. See, he's fully conscious of the fact that his behavior was totally unacceptable. So getting the heart to obey the mind is simply being healthy. And the question is, how, how does it happen that the heart goes off on its own and does its own thing without consulting the mind? Which uh, visually is pretty much the same as sleepwalking. How, how does the body go off on a stroll yeah. without the mind? Or even talking in your sleep? The brain is not engaged. So it's the mouth doing its own thing, independent of the mind. Well, how does that happen? Because that shouldn't happen. It's not natural. And that's why when you hear somebody speaking in their sleep, it's kind of spooky. There's something ghostly about it or something. Walking in the sleep is really frightening to see it. Because it's, it's zombie-like, it's, it's crazy. Anyway, so the same is true when the heart is doing its own thing without consulting the mind. Mm -hmm. Should never happen. However, we feed the heart for years before mm -hmm. the mind even has a chance to mature. So through our childhood years, we are exercising the emotions without intelligence. So the emotions get a 12 or 13 year head start on your mind. That becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. Now the mind matures and says, okay, I'm taking over. And the heart says, not over me or not. <laughs> That's so easy. <laughs> not over this, you're not. 
So how do we bring back? You don't have to create anything new. Yeah, return. How do we bring back that healthy relationship between mind and heart? Overcoming the habit of many years. Mm -hmm. So here too, it is natural. Just as the mind would naturally control the emotions if it were mature, now that it is mature, it can not only control the emotions, but it can actually reverse them. Mm -hmm. So the mind has the authority to do that. And to a great degree, it does. So that the person, although as a child indulged and, and, and entitled and permissive upbringing, when the kid becomes a little more mature and intelligent, without much effort, everything changes. Mm -hmm. I don't want a candy anymore. I want a dollar. Not one dollar, five dollars. No, a car. <laughs> See, all of a sudden, the emotions have matured because the mind has. Mm -hmm. You do get stuck in certain habits, but there's also progress. Nobody remains literally a 10-year-old when they're in their 20s. Like you said, not literal, but they their their the way that they see things could still not have matured in one or two areas like when it comes to money or when it comes to parents or when it comes to the opposite gender there's there's a you know those things kind of get stuck in their child phase and it doesn't move up with the rest of the person but whether he thinks about it or not, the body becomes more mature. So thinking about what do you it, mean? maturity happens sometimes without your, your participation. Maturity is not- You mean like it just grows? It's, yeah. You can still see like a, a child, so to speak, in a, in a grown up body. Right. Very rarely is it the entire person. If every part of you does not mature, there's a word for it, and they uh, put you in a special school or in a special home, whatever. Usually, the person does mature in many areas, and then one or two areas kind of don't keep up. Just like your baby teeth fall out and the adult teeth come in, whether you think about it or not, your childish, immature emotions fall out, and the more mature emotions replace them, even if you're not paying attention. Of course, it's better if you do pay attention. Because you may outgrow the childish, but you're not really sure what to replace it with. So it becomes ridiculous. A grown up making a fool of himself. Or there is one or two areas in which it doesn't happen. You're going to have to make it happen in those areas. That's number one. Number two, when you have an animal soul and a godly soul, well, that kind of changes the whole dynamic. So your godly soul is saying, let's be mature. Your body is saying no. Why doesn't your godly soul have the authority to affect the body, the heart, the emotions? Well, in a way it did, it does, because it still is what created those behaviors in the body. It just at an early stage before it was really conscious. Like that's where we have those, we, we can at the young age conclude different uh, beliefs about different situations like you know I'm not worthy or I don't want to take in love or I, I need to hide 
and not uh, show who I am, things like that. So in which of the two souls does that happen? Well, I, I, I would say that it starts ultimately in the, you know, there's some kind of experience somebody has, or the young person has, and it creates some kind of internal change that they don't know how to uh, handle or what to do with it, how to handle those emotions. And they conclude in the, in the intellect some kind of belief. And so I, I would say the intellect, would, would that be connected with the godly soul? That that's what's making or deciding uh, this is, you know, this is what happened in this situation. And that's then programming the body, the animal soul, to then whenever a similar situation comes up, you know, it, it, react, it, it responds in a similar fashion. So it becomes programmed in the body or the animal soul. But ultimately, if it starts, and even in the, in the Tanya, if I remember correctly, that's what it, ultimately it all starts from the intellect, which is the godly soul. So here's, here's an important distinction. Okay. The same dynamic happens in the animal soul itself. <clears throat> Let's call it the human soul. Okay. Within the human soul, there is the mind and the heart. Because each soul has its own mind mm -hmm. and its own emotions. So in the human soul itself, the mind has authority over the heart because the heart wants. Yeah. The heart wants direction, guidance, instruction. It doesn't want to, it doesn't want to decide. Exactly. It, it desires. It develops a desire, but it doesn't want to decide whether it should or shouldn't do it. So it develops a desire based on what the mind is deciding it once or not is acceptable thinkable doable right yeah what is beyond the pale to the mind the heart will not go there what the mind allows that's where the heart will play mm -hmm. like this guy who says i'm very embarrassed and i i, I I feel terrible, but I hit my wife. She got me angry. I knew this was going to happen. And I told her, don't get me angry. But she did. And I lost control and I hit her. I said, did you hit her with a bat, with a brick? He says, oh, don't be crazy. And says, so you didn't lose control. Even when you were at your angriest, it never occurred to you to hit her with a bat. That's crazy. But hitting her with your hand, not so crazy. So your mind gave you permission, permission. to hit her. Interesting. You didn't lose control. You gave yourself permission. Rationally, because you could distinguish between a slap and, yeah. Well. So you didn't really lose control. Very seldom that people lose control. Yeah. So in the animal soul, the mind governs the heart. Without morality, without godliness, without, without humility, just by nature, the mind has more authority than the, than the heart. I think the practical explanation or reason is because the mind knows what's going on. So should I be afraid? Should I panic? Well, how should the heart know? Doesn't it know what, what are we panicking about? I don't even know what's going on. That this is, this is where I think you're getting it at, at, but this is where sometimes though the mind, because it's also very limited, 
can can Panic. make a conclusion that doesn't end up actually helping the person. So then the heart thinks it's uh, unsafe in a place that it's actually really safe. So then the, then the mind is correct and the heart is wrong. But there are times when the mind is wrong. But how is your heart supposed to know that? Exactly. So in the animal soul itself, in the human soul itself, a mensch, not godly, totally human, but a human being by definition is governed by intelligence, not by emotions. Now this doesn't mean that a healthy human being is uh, dispassionate about everything. Passion is a good thing. Passion is a sign of life. Passion is a sign of, of intelligence, actually. Without passion, you're not really alive. You're tepid. But in the, in the interaction, in the dance between the mind and the heart, the mind must lead so that the heart will also dance. So the heart is not being rejected, it's guided. So the first step is if the heart is not obeying the, the mind, first step is get get healthy. Yeah. Don't get mystical. Don't get spiritual. Just get healthy. Because a healthy person is the master of his ship. Like the soldier that I was reading someplace. And he said, I'm going to go take a nap. And his, the other soldier said, under these conditions, how could you sleep? He said, my body obeys me. When I tell it to sleep, it sleeps. That is a human being. He is the master of the ship. So when he says sleep, the body goes to sleep. He says, wake up, the body wakes up. So that's just the nature of the beast. Like if you can't get your dog to behave and to listen to you, it's not natural. So you need somebody to come in and train the dog for you. But by nature, your dog obeys you. If it hasn't had bad experiences beforehand, if it's not already traumatized and all that. Yeah. So what would it take to get your heart to obey your mind again? Yeah. Or to because because where is the um <clears throat> where is the the lodging, so to speak, of the new awareness that um oh i've i've told my heart and my body to uh, act this way you know around this person and now somebody comes across whoever way this new understanding let's say that you know oh if i'm if i'm acting frustrated around this person i'm allowing that person which is something outside of me to, to be a certain way. And so now I have this new awareness. Oh, wow, it's not that person, it's, it's me. So now next time I'm around that person, I need to change the way that I'm uh, reacting and then now get my heart to obey me again, but in this different, more empowering way. So if the trauma is in the body, I think we spoke about this last, last week, 
the trauma is in the body, then you have to get your body to neurologically yeah. change its behavior. Mm -hmm. Trigger effect. And that can be done through deep muscle massage, through uh, somatic experiencing. Yeah. Well, even through meditation. Yes. But it's even better if you bring about a change in the behavior of the animal soul by changing its mind. So that's what the complete transformation is. It's referring to like where it's in next time, it's completely rewired. Yeah. Literally becomes a different place. Mm. A new reality. Mm. Like, for example, with a Kohen. You want a complete transformation. So you can go back to serving in the in the temple. So the change has to be factual, tangible. But there's nothing more powerful than the will to get the body to behave. So this transformation is partly in the mind partly in the soul. That's why, in a sense, Yaakov, who is one emotion, can say to the others, Avraham and Yitzchak, change, adjust, adapt, because we have the option. There are options. There are always options. When a person starts to feel, no, there are no more options. I'm stuck. Now we've got some trauma. Now we have some pathology. Because stuck. Hmm. So how do you change the emotional is I think more important than how do you change the biological if they're not the same thing. Well, I am pretty sure it would be the same. So emotions are all part of biology? Yeah, um, well, let's see, emotion, energy and motion. Like, yeah, because it expressed because you uh, the emotion is the end product of, of an experience. Like you say, you know, after you have some kind of experience was let's say like using just the same analogy or even the one you were saying sharing before the man that slapped his wife let's say if he continues and he's, a, he's aware of it and now he begins to rehearse and, and he becomes aware you know next time my wife and i get in an argument also he also wants to work on getting away from that but uh let's say he gets an argument but he wants to become aware the next time he gets in an argument he doesn't want to uh, hit his wife. He wants to, you know, just stop it at perhaps screaming, at least from the first time. Now he has to, like, once he actually accomplishes that, let's say after he rehearses it and practices it, and now he gets in that similar experience and his wife says something that makes him want to hit her, um, but instead he catches that and he has that kind of aha moment and he realizes it and now he changes it. There had that's that is an emotional change because you'll have some kind of emotional awareness now, but that's also in the body because he's no no longer taking out that action. I would say it is interchangeable. Except that the most thorough change, you can have shallow, superficial change. You can have thorough, lasting change. If the change is in the head. That is the most lasting change. And, so, and what, what, what would that be in that example? In I, your never, I never realized how wrong I was. Yeah. I never realized how damaging this thing is. 
and ever realized how unnatural this is. When that light bulb goes off, or goes on, like actually, when that light bulb goes on, you see a very different world. So, practicing mind over heart, very healthy thing. The behavior. There are plenty of challenges all the time. So the best place to, to practice is with food. So if the mind can get the body to delay eating for a few minutes, I know you're hungry, wait five minutes, five minutes. It's not a terribly difficult thing to do. Just go wash your hands. It'll take five minutes. But do it to establish your authority over your heart. And that's why you simply bow at the knees. You don't fall on your face like on Yom Kippur. Because it doesn't need that kind of humility. All it needs is get the mind back in charge. So you got to find out uh, how many, how many, uh, <clears throat> how many band-aids have already been applied that need to be removed to allow the healing to happen. So delay eating just for five minutes, just to show that you're in charge, that you're in charge of your biology. Eventually you become good at it and you really, really start to control your imagination, what you see, what you hear. Mm -hmm. You literally gain control over things you thought were impossible to control. So don't not eat, not recommending fasting, but whatever's on the plate, let it sit for another few minutes. Or eat the food you like somewhat less and skip your most favorite food. So we're not tampering with your eating or with your health. We're just, we're just trying to go softer on the panic. That's, that's for the animal soul. Mm -hmm. The animal soul simply needs to get back the, the discipline. And the mind governs the heart. Now, if we go a little deeper, which I think we must in today's day yeah. and age, what does it mean that the mind has lost control over the heart? Something wrong with the mind? No? Well, I actually, well, I think you just brought up the question, but it doesn't seem like the mind lost control of the heart but that the mind kind of lost control over itself in a way or the or in or or more so maybe even the the godly soul the soul lost control over the mind the, the that mind, we that we think that yeah you know, the mind can lose control by being overwhelmed by the emotions violence or the emotions intensity. intensity so the mind backs off but the, the 
the emotions are always more noisy. They're not necessarily stronger. So if, if the heart does respond, it's a panic. It's a panic response. Somebody. Because well, those emotions also, uh, because of the limbic brain that react like you, it reacts like three times faster than it before it even gets to the conscious right. part of the brain. That's why you can go into like an environment and you can feel like sudden like fear if it's a familiar place, and that's the emotion that you feel there before it even makes it to your right mind. Right. So practicing mind over heart. Very, very healthy. You're playing ball and it's very hot and you're, you want a cold drink. Don't do it. It's a good idea. You set, it, you set aside a coin or a bottle of something every time you need to discipline yourself. So it's like a fine, you fine yourself for losing control. No, but this, this is a serious thing. If the emotions, the impulses have gotten so intense, so inflexible, so unreasonable that it must happen, even while your mind is saying no, it's not the mind's heart, the mind's fault. It is the heart. Like a child throwing a tantrum, there really isn't much a parent can do. Except let him express himself, get it out of his system, and afterwards he'll be fine. But there's nothing you can do. You should get out of the way. Don't be available for your kid to hit you. It should be very bad for the kid. So part of the reason that the emotions become so Catholic, it's a good word. Catholic meaning inflexible, uh, non-negotiable, but camera can see without the basket. Baskets are there for other things. So if in the mind it is really clear, I am here to do a hundred more things, that changes everything. When, when there's something on your desk, that you have no desire to do, but you have to do it. That's, that's the, the discipline that is missing. And we haven't introduced God yet. We'll have to probably include that in the next uh, video, but uh, also I wanted to bring up when it comes to you know, different, let's say, emotions people live by. Let's say somebody has a, it's become, an ha it's become a habit to, to, to act, you know, to feel, you know, insecure or anxious in different situations. There's also a, a, a complex understanding or process to that transformation of, of how of having to like slow down the brain waves and get into the body like you touched on earlier, but also in the brain to, to allow it to relax so the person can uh, change those, change that uh, automatic way of living. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's, it's simple, it's relatively easier to somebody now just to become a little bit healthier but when it's become so programmed that, you know, that they're, they don't believe that, let's say they're, they're worth it becoming healthier, 
then there's oh, the, the, the process of transformation is, is quite a bit more complex and the work that needs to be, the inner work to, up, to, to change that. Which means there's a deeper layer that also needs fixing. So if we could get to the deeper layer without getting to the lower layer, would that work? Can we skip the middleman? Yeah. So it depends on how, uh, on the practice and how deep you could go. Let's say where people maybe have those different spontaneous changes of uh, their state of being. Somebody, somebody could be a, a, a often anxious person and then they go so deep in a meditation that it completely rewires their brain and next thing you know, they're, they're calm. They, they released whatever those, okay. that, that trauma was. Okay, so one of those rearrangements of the brain is discovering the purpose for which you exist. Nothing changes you more than that. Hmm. You feel... Now that's real, real health. You feel really reborn. So that's the godly soul's place hmm. or job. Um, there's, there's recognizing your needs, which are important. Recognizing your strengths and weaknesses, very important. Then there's figuring out the why. I'm good at this and I'm good at that, not good at something else. Why? Why am I gifted in any area at all? What did I do to deserve it? The answer might very well be, you don't deserve it. I, God needs you to document this event to show how he works. But you never turn the camera on yourself. Because you're not the subject. Same is true with every animal. Doesn't wake up every morning with this idea. But on some um, instinctive level, even the animal has that. I am here, a cow has some kind of recognition. I'm here to be a cow. And so the cow goes about being a cow loyally, religiously, without exception. You never catch a cow acting like anything but a cow. <clears throat> but you, you find people acting like animals, or fish, or birds. So, the most powerful that brings about the most permanent change, transformation, is to discover the purpose in life. Everything changes. Well, let's talk a little more about we the, mind, the... Yeah. the mind and the heart. How does the mind affect the heart? They don't speak the same language. They're so different in temperament. They're so different in personality. They're so different in everything. How can they communicate? How does the mind control the heart? Because to the heart, the mind should be completely irrelevant. The heart works on emotions, the heart works on instinct, the heart works on habit, and the mind is always coming up with new ideas. Who would let the new ideas into a hospital ward? Where you're trying to be as scientific and as natural or secular as you can. So the first thing is, how can the mind control the heart? 
And secondly, what kind of control does it have? What, what do you mean control? Stands by the door with a whip and says, you can't go there? So the effect is not that the emotions are smothered. You never want that to happen. So becoming just completely cerebral is not the goal at all. Mm -mm. You don't want to become a walking brain. But the major difference between emotions and intellect is that intelligence is objective. Okay. The mind wants to know. It doesn't really want to twist facts. It doesn't want to make up its own fake news. It, it wants to know. It's completely innocent. But also, well, let's not talk about why. Let's talk about what. The mind is objective. The heart is completely subjective. The difference between objective and subjective is that objective is negotiable. So in a person's mind, oh, I see. He, yeah. okay. he decides to get angry. Mm -hmm. You can negotiate with the mind. You can say, I see you decided to get angry, but really, do you need to be angry? And the mind is capable of saying, no, I guess not. Well, that's, heart, well you're saying that would be your, the godly, the, your intelligence. So you oh, okay. So by intelligence, you mean really like you're. It's beyond the mind. My, in, I'm thinking that intelligence would be mind. Your brain would be, what you said as mind. Because well, there's a difference between brain and mind. Right. The brain is more biological. Yeah. So that that's what you meant as mind, and then intelligence is. Beyond that, like I'm. That consciousness, that awareness. To be to have the awareness, like you're saying, the mind in a situation uh, feels can be can be frustrated, but then you can have that awareness, like, do I really need to be frustrated right now? No, I can change that and re and tell the mind a different way to because because the mind is open to suggestion. Mm -hmm. That's called objective. Yeah. The heart, the emotions are completely subjective, which means there's no negotiation. You can't come to the angry heart and say, maybe you don't need to be angry. That sounds crazy. What do you mean? Maybe I don't need to be. I am. Get real. That's why sometimes you find intellectual people very frustrating. Mm -hmm. They're always changing their mind. Hopefully with a better idea, but not necessarily. So practically, uh, when you're electing a president, don't elect an intellectual. Nothing will ever happen. Everything will be a discussion, a debate, a, a conference. There'll be talk, 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 talk. Nothing will ever happen unless the intellectual is fanatical about his position and you happen to agree with that position then you elect him but if you have a liberal open-minded pre uh, president you have nothing nobody's running the show because the nature of intelligence is I can always come up with a better explanation. And a better explanation will change the outcome.
So when they made this thing, I don't know if you can see it. Um, in the olden days, things were much more fixed. They weren't so flexible. Life was pretty much determined by circumstances. If you come from a, a rich family, you're going to be rich. Come from a poor family, you're going to be poor. If you're an insider, you're an insider. Outsider, you're an It's not going to change. Mm -hmm. People were accustomed to being one thing in one place all their life. It's like this one resident of uh, uh, Manchester in England who said, you know, I've never left Manchester. I've never been outside of Manchester. And that was like sh shocking. <laughs> You've never left Manchester. Way too rigid. So the, 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 the heart or the emotions way too rigid when i'm angry i'm angry don't you dare suggest that i don't need to be you're mocking me so the emotions are very defensive i am what i am what do you mean maybe i shouldn't you're telling me i'm not valid can't handle it What effect can the mind have on the heart? It can't make the heart intelligent. That's ridiculous. But it can make the heart a little more flexible, like intelligence. So it's emotions, but with the flexibility of intelligence. That much we can accomplish. Like you can train it yes how to how to how to be in this one area so that you can come to the emotion that is angry or hurt or frightened and say that's enough you don't have to do that anymore and the heart can actually say yeah right you're right and just there's a lot of healing that goes into that, though, because there's a lot of that uh, what they what we call the inner inner child work. So if they come to that point where it's almost like the mind is right with the heart, and it's that young young child within you that's frustrated or whatever the emotion is about some kind of experience, and now the mind is training it. You know, it is okay. I I appreciate you for for protecting me, so to speak, in from this situation with this experience, but it's no, no, we no, no longer have to be like that. It's not it's not limited to the experience. It's a different heart. The heart has become like a brain. It can be objective about whatever feeling comes along. So it's not a remedy for a particular problem. It's it's a heart with a high IQ. <laughs> That's what they call intelligent emotions. But in, you know, midos al pisecho. So it's a it's a different person. It's not just a cure for this particular trauma. And that's what's so impressive or awesome about it. You have an entirely different nature to the emotions. They're still spontaneous, the way emotion, emotions should be. They're still intense, the way emotions should be. They're hot. This is after the like transformation, you're saying? Yes. So like somebody in that example, you say they, they, they do some kind of work and they come across that emotion that was frustrated. They heal it. And now it becomes what you said, an intelligent emotion. Mm -hmm. 
Ah, because now it has that uh, flexibility, but it's almost like it has that, it learned that lesson. Ah, this, this emotion was protecting me beforehand, but now it's, it's, it's had a transformation. Now I have from this emotion that wisdom, so to speak, it's uh, from that, from whatever the situation is. I can, I can now think about that trauma or whatever. Uh, and, and now it, the emotion is separate from it. Separate like, the heart. Whenever I can, I can bring to mind, uh, or a person, God forbid, can bring to mind something that happened to them that used to make them frustrated, but now they can just talk about it without the emotion connected to it. That's the, that's the brain doing it. See, you can't say the heart will think about it or bring to mind. No, no, we're talking about the heart. Mm. The heart now has the flexibility of, I don't have to feel what I'm feeling. That's the beauty of it. The heart can let go, not think. It still can't think, it's a heart. Mm -hmm. So it's not any smarter in that sense. It has become a little more like the brain in that it doesn't. It, it, right. It doesn't go into a cramp. Yeah. It's not rigid. It's not stuck. Like we learned that also. I mean, that's on the part of the brain with neuroplasticity, but that governs what's going on in the heart and throughout the body. So you're saying that the heart has the ability to, to be flexible, to change. For a good example, I think would be usually the change in the heart comes from new information. You panicked, your heart is pumping double time, your face is red, everything is, you know, signaling danger because you were told there was a danger. Then the mind comes back and says, I checked it out. There's no danger. Yeah. Okay. Everything goes back to normal. But imagine a person is in a really, really bad mood, angry, offended, and whatever, and you make a really good joke about anything, not relevant to the issue. And you get the guy to laugh. All of a sudden, he's not angry, he's not, he's not, what happened? This was not your mind giving you new information. You got the guy to laugh. And all of a sudden, he's not so rigid. You softened or you loosened up the emotion. Mm -hmm. So you know, a guy is really angry and you say, do, do you have to be angry or do you wanna be angry? Would you like to stop being angry or no, that's not an option. Usually you're talking to the wall. The emotions won't budge, you'll just get them angrier. But just like a good laugh, a little humor can diffuse the, the you know, and all of a sudden he's flexible. Yeah. Okay, it was just, you know, fine. No longer stressed. I don't have to be stressed. It's, it's liberating. Yeah. So that is something to practice. to realize to realize with to to cultivate that awareness and realize possibility in any that that an emotion is not the final yeah you know inevitable outcome yeah yeah, yeah. so i think a good expression aa uses don't believe everything you feel mm -hmm. okay you feel it it's a feeling it's not everything, it's just a feeling. It can come, it can go, it's just a feeling. Yeah. But to the heart, 
That's the totality of all reality. You just got me angry. And now I am, I am anger. What do you want me to do? There's no way out. Angry is angry. That's it. But if you soften the heart up a little bit to the point where the heart itself has become reasonable, not intelligent. Reasonable means it doesn't have to be like this. But with children whose mind is not yet developed, the emotions are so rigid. Yeah. I see. So that's the difference between subjective and objective. Subjective sees no other reality. Objective is open to a suggestion. Very nice. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.